we claim to be the cleverest species on the planet, yet we're on the verge of the sixth mass extinction. We've we've wiped out ninety percent of the animals in the last like six years, probably probably fifty percent of that since nineteen seventy. So in the last fifty years. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. But before we get started, I want to tell you guys about Instacart. I mean, with the likelihood of staying at home a bit longer than we all want, and with the looks of how things are unfolding, getting your groceries should be something you don't have to worry about. I mean, I certainly don't want to. And with Instacart, my listeners in the US and Canada can get everything you want, hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences from your local stores and delivered to your doorstep in as little as an hour. So you have more time for, you know, those things you actually want to do, like content creation maybe or Zoom parties. But seriously, with Instacart, you get unlimited groceries delivered to you for one low monthly fee, which is way better than those other guys that may be adding on fees every time you use their app. So to get started with your 14-day free trial, just follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know I sent you and to support the show. On that note, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notified of the latest episode and drop me a review. Let me know what you honestly think. It really means a lot to me and helps me curate the most valuable content and conversations with incredible experts for you. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today who is joining us all the way from Bali. He is an integrated health practitioner, social entrepreneur, and the founder of Self Care Global, an organization with an ambitious and admirable mission to create a global blue zone movement, reaching one in seven people around the world to help combat the biggest public health challenge of the 21st century, which is chronic preventable diseases and increase our longevity. This mission to date has helped more than 45,000 people around the world, and I am pleased to welcome him to our show today to talk about something he is incredibly passionate about and the reason he says he gets out of bed every day. This is to promote self-care and how we can optimize our health and well-being from a human-centric approach. So please meet Rory Callahan. Welcome, Rory. Thanks for being with us today. No worries, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Um, as I mentioned to you, I saw your story on the Nomadic X community, and I wanted to hear more about this mission and your love to teach people about self-care and the human-centric approach to health and wellness. So mm. I know you have a interesting background, and I believe that's kind of where this journey began, right? Your why yeah. of why you're pursuing this ambitious health mission. So why don't you tell us about that? Tell us a little bit about more who you are and, and how this um, mission of yours got started. Yeah, of course. I think um, growing up in Australia, um, I, I grew up with a, a beautiful mother, single mother, and um, she you know, she worked her backside off. And uh it gave me a beautiful work ethic growing up, and um, and whilst I was you know growing up under her guidance and in this uh, in this community in Fremantle, just uh, near Perth on the west coast, um, I started to to really tune into um, the power of community and you know the way that that really supported my mum as a single mum to be able to support me to get me to go to school to give me access to education to you know to even just 
give me access to football clubs and all these all these communities that that really uh, filled in the gaps for not having a male role model in my life. And um, and I guess with my dad's journey, um, he suffered mental health issues very early in the piece. And as a result of that, he he wasn't around for me growing up. So uh, the the mental health issues, you know, led to all forms of you know you can call it depression, anxiety, whatever suppressed emotion and diagnosis you want to give it but he basically found alcohol was the way to numb his pain and um and it wasn't until later in life that he told me the reason why he did it but at the time he just he just said that you know he had these thoughts that he couldn't get rid of and he had this guilt and shame around decisions he'd made in his life um one of his um when his, his siblings blamed him for his father's death when he was the only one that cared about him and he didn't tell any didn't tell anyone about this for his entire life so he he, he he lived with these little demons and uh, they just kind of built up and the narrative built up and, the, and the, the, the low vibration cycle just, you know, it just became something really powerful in his life and um, he couldn't escape it. So he, he numbed, numbed his pain with alcohol and other mind-altering substances, ended up living homeless in the streets where I grew up in Fremantle and, you know, I'd actually see him on the way to school some mornings and um, I guess this, this really gave me a bit of compassion and empathy for the, the whole health and wellness space, not just, you know, mm. my, my mom and working paycheck to paycheck, like workers' medicine, lifestyle is medicine. She didn't have much time, you know, my, my dad with the mental health, health issues and look at the power of community and connection. Like it takes a, it takes a village to raise a child, but you've also had this self-care component where, you know, you, you've got to want to get better. And, um, you know, he had so many opportunities we, 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 with my dad. We, we kind of joked later in life that, He's had about, you know, a cat has nine lives and he's had about 37. So, um, so you know, it, that was kind of the, the start of my journey um, where I think I became very conscious about, you know, the health and well-being of people and 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 also my own health. So that's probably the the, the first place where it all, it all started to, I guess, plant seeds for what, what was to come. Yeah, well, I know that so many of our lives, you know, what you, we experience at home in our environment have so much of an influence mm-hmm. in the way our future life unfolds and shapes. And it's a matter of what we do with those, you know, what may look like adversities to turn them into a way to not only grow stronger, but a way to now be on a mission to help more people through that experience. So you know, thanks for sharing that background. Did you notice, though, I know that, you know, you were a young health professional that also uh, had lost his health. So in Australia, did you notice something also wrong, perhaps, or different with the health system that maybe you couldn't, you know, get help for yourself? Because to provide a little context, from my perspective, I grew up in the U.S., and you may know this, but in the U.S., our healthcare system is run like a big business, you know, driven yeah. primarily to keep people sick and addicted to prescription drugs for the profit of big pharma and insurance companies. And, you know, that's, to me, I think fundamentally something really flawed in the U.S. health system compared to a lot of other developed countries where they may be spending a lot less on healthcare but have better health care. So yeah, curious about your perspective on that, like growing up in Australia and seeing that maybe there and globally as, you know, someone running a global health organization. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the the healthcare system starts in the community that you grow up in, right? So, um, and and also it starts at home with your parents. Um, You know, my mom was 
choosing the food that went on the table. As a busy mum, she went for, you know, quick fixes, the the microwave dinners, which were just becoming a thing, um, fast food, like, you know, the Hungry Jacks and the McDonald's and um, all that type of stuff because she she just was so tired at the end of the day. She just didn't even have the energy to, to cook, like, good food, even though she'd grown up um, with, like, organic food on her table every single morning. Um, you know, she'd have the juice and you know, everything ready for her. But, you know, when she had kids, she wasn't able to to repeat that just because of the scarcity that she was put in through the access to jobs as a, as a female at the time who was single with a child. So the healthcare system started economically and, and in a community way before mm. anything else happened. And I think this is a thing that's forgotten because, you know, places like Bhutan, um, you know, they're 70% organic. You know, like they're going to be one of the first countries to have all their, all their produce is, you know, is is basically organic food um and the next closest is like denmark or something which is like 15 percent. so it just shows the disparity in the world that we've just got these systems that are completely backwards and then i guess you know the, the economic system with a single mum that you know didn't have a lot of support 500 bucks a week she was living on and she was um you know not only getting my brother and myself to school but she was paying her own bills and she had a mortgage and she wanted to own her own house and you know, and and all these type of things. So, she, you know, she was she was operating from scarcity and would often go without food to make sure that we had we had everything that we needed. But she also wanted to make sure we had every opportunity in life to, you know, play sport and and all that type of stuff. So, I really want to touch on the fact that you know the 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 Bhutan and the the systemic changes where you know these you know food is a human right. It's like it. it you know, eighty percent of the the stuff that is in supermarkets didn't exist a hundred years ago, right? So then, Bhutan, yeah. let's just do something different. Let's just make sure that every person has access to clean food from good soil, without the chemicals, without the nasties, and let's make it make it cheap. Let's make so much of it that you know it's it's not five dollars to buy broccoli. And then the next thing was like this concept of community and connection, which is you know global uh, longevity hotspots like these blue zones. Um, yeah. The key medicine for all of these places is that connection and communion, the, the strength of your social relationships is your key to not only survival but to thrival. So it's like there's these people in Japan that are living to 95, still climbing trees and, you know, they're, they're living in, in communities. The elders give back to the young the young children and they're like they're basically seen as being these custodians of wisdom um, and they're sitting around the table and sharing food and connecting. And it's like, this is the key longevity. We haven't even talked about healthcare systems. We haven't even talked about vaccines. We haven't even talked about, you know, how you move your body or exercise or diets. Those two things are the key to good health and well-being for the people. And there's so many free medicines for the people, but systemically we've just created systems that uh, that don't really promote it. And unconsciously or incompetently or willfully ignorantly, we've created these things that, you know, have led to the fact that, you know, one in two people are living with a chronic preventable disease right now. 19 in 20 people are living in a restricted human vessel with like disease or dysfunction, which leaves like one in 20 people that are living in actual good health, which is not not only the absence of that, but towards longevity, which is this lifespan approach to, you know, building communities and, and you know, integrating daily lifestyle rituals where, you know, you get to 95 or 100 and you, you, you're unrestricted. You don't have these uncontrolled cell growths and mental health issues and type 2 diabetes and, and all that type of stuff. So that that's my view on on what what self-care and healthcare is and a good good health and well-being. But um, it's a little bit different. And uh, this is where, you know, I just want to really 
be part of the solution. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to. The reason why I left the healthcare system, we can go into that in a second, is um, well, I, I left working in that essence of being in the healthcare system in a clinic, working one to one, passively, people seeking support and seeking to get better, because because I burnt out and I did. I lost my health at twenty six. And I had that realization that, you know, if this system is creating health professionals who lose their health, I'm like, that is not the definition of success. That is not, yeah. that is not a solution. And it's like, how can, how can I be, you know, speaking to all these, these health professionals and these doctors and, and all the, all these personal trainers and yogis, you know, yogis with gut issues and, and mental health issues, personal trainers with, you know, uh, bellies that were, were bigger than, you know, the obesity criteria you know what i mean who are high on ego but low on low on knowledge which was me when i was younger as well and and these doctors who are giving uh, you know um prescription medicine for blood pressure and they're on the exact same medicine and you're sitting there you're going like since when did this natural human vessel require something synthetic in order to stay alive when did like we start you know building health professionals that you know were unhealthy and then who are unconsciously just giving that knowledge to the world and you know, they're having two coffees in the morning before they get up, you know, and they're, they're living this adre- with this adrenal fatigue or, you know, whatever, this high-stress lifestyle that ultimately isn't going to lead to good health, you know, but unconsciously thinking that it's in the exercise or the things that we do know rather than being aware of the whole picture. So, yeah, that's – I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think that's <laughs> wanted to really paint that picture. No, no, no. It was actually a good tangent. And I can just uh, hear how deeply passionate you are exactly on that point that you stressed. And it was very interesting. And I think a an important point to make of the healthcare system, you said really starts at home. And, mm. you know, the point of your story about like, even your mother, again, I really, really appreciate providing that personal background, but it sounds like she, of course, has all the intention, just like a lot of hardworking moms or uh, parents, but they might be in this like just vicious cycle of just like staying afloat and not having the support in a community or a system in place that makes it, number one, affordable. Um, And so then, of course, it just becomes harder and harder for that natural, healthy environment to start from the home. So how can uh, a collective consciousness or all the other institutions and bodies within a community can be part of the solution, Mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I actually want to dive a little bit deeper because I'm not too well-versed, but I found it very interesting. So these blue zone communities, you touched on it very briefly about how they are the ideal communities to model where people living in these communities have longer lifespans. Mm. So, and you correlated that to one community, right? But I think I missed the other or there may be more, but it'd be really interesting if you can tell us what are so unique about these blue zone communities for us to model. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I think, you know, when I was putting this self-care book together, it was, um, you know, I reflected my own journey where I spent, you know, from 26 to 28, I probably spent $100,000 of my own money and resources trying to buy my health back. And, um, you know, before that, I spent $100,000 getting pieces of paper to say that I was a health professional with a master's degree and um, I was qualified to, to help people move up the health spectrum. So it was like I just looked at all this and um, and then I, I – 
probably the biggest biggest shift was I stopped listening to um, all the experts. I stopped investigations. I stopped sending blood tests to Germany. I stopped getting scans. I stopped getting all this stuff. And because it was just like I was just chasing one signal and sent them to the next. And because my body was in such disharmony, it would show up with different things every week, you know, like, you know, one week would be my digestive system. Then it's my guts and my mind. And then it's like, you know, my energy. And then it's like this little signal and the symptom and da, da, da. And it's like, I just, I, I spent a hundred thousand dollars running around in circles, doctor shopping and getting investigations. And, and no one along that process said, Hey, Rawls, like, I'm sorry, man, we don't actually know. And we, none of them actually like stood back and said, well, there's actually a couple. And I will, I'll mention them in a second. Peter O'Sullivan in Perth was amazing. He had this really person centric approach, approach. Um, everyone else was just like, you know, really just, just honing in on the parts. And I was like, man, I've got 78 organs. I've got 50 million cells that regenerate every single second. I've got this human vessel in this community, this environment with emotions and relationships and stress and like all this stuff. And I'm like, no one's even asked me about that. Even one of my doctors actually went to, and he said, uh, he said, you've got the white coat phenomenon, which is like, basically you get anxious coming to the doctor so then your blood pressure goes up and they're like yeah you don't actually have any physiological or biological issues you're just nervous and you got this anxiety disorder and i looked at him and i was like mate i've been i've been working next door to you for the last four years um i'm a you know i was a 26 year old my blood pressure was about 170 180 over over 90 and i'm like this is not normal and the funny thing is like three of my colleagues had the same thing and they were like we were all like healthy athletes in our mid-20s I remember just looking at this and going, this is not, this is not health. You know, this is not what's going on. Like have that level of feedback to spend that amount of money and resources and to not find a solution. I just started looking and going, okay, cool. Well, what, what is the solution? So this is when the, the research really, really started. And um, I looked to places where people were living over 100. And I said, where are the centenarians in the world that are living into old age? And, and you know, like the, the burden of chronic disease does not exist. It's not even a conversation. It's not even part of the narrative. You know, like depression, anxiety, type 2 diabetes, like these uncontrolled cell growths, cancers, these aren't a thing. And I was like, I, I found uh, Dan Butner's work and he's a journalist that basically traveled the world to find these longevity hotspots. Yes, and, uh, yes. Master Del Pay is another one who traveled the world and went to the Hunza Valley in Pakistan and he tested the water and the soil and, and, and they came back with really simple things. These human beings who were living to over 100, they lived in healthy, natural environments, not these industrialized cities with chemicals and lights that go on and off and these iPhones that, you know, are on until, you know, one o'clock in the morning. It was yeah. like, it was, you, you want to create a healthy organism, you create a healthy environment. Like the, the natural support, like natural life support system is our key life support system. It's like, you can imagine a fish in a dirty fish pond, or you can imagine a fish in a really beautiful, clean um, fish pond with 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 clean light and and you know just all access to other friends and access to all the all the all the building blocks that it needs to survive and thrive and you know like the carp fish it'll live for fifty or hundred years but if it's in a dirty fish pond it's like okay you've got to wear a mask you know you've got to have this oxygen device because your water is so polluted you've got to do all this stuff and it, and like we we start to think that that's normal in the last hundred years of industrialization or more. We've started to think that that's normal. But these blue zones, these longevity hotspots, the, the key thing is that a healthy natural environment, uh, they worked as communities, not as individuals isolated in these silos, these apartments by themselves, you know, head iPhone, like headphones in, going to work to do a job they probably don't love. You know, like it just became 
it just became obvious that there was some, a different way to do it. Like the Japanese lady who was 95, her, her ikigai, her reason for being in Okinawa, Japan, was she wanted mm-hmm. to feed, feed her family. So, mm-hmm. And her family was her highest value and she found a way to generate money by, you know, um, you know, catching these eels and climbing these trees and she'd prepare the food and then she'd give to the family and then she'd share and circulate that and other people would do the same with her. And um, the community was about about sharing. It was about circular economies. It wasn't about how much money you make, how beautiful is your car, how much time do you work, like this badge of honour of like, hey, I worked 100 hour a week. It's like it was, just, it was just different and it was simpler. And I think it's not to say that, you know, we need to, you know, we all need to live that simple life. I think we can take elements of that and I think we can look at these blue zones and we look at these, these um, longevity hotspots and, and start to model them as the solution for self-care and health care because it's in plain sight. You know, but it, if we can model that, then we can create change. If not, we just keep doing what we're doing, and um, you know, we just keep spending money on problems becoming more problems. Yeah, well, and the industrialized modern world, as you spoke of, where so many of us are so busy chasing vanity measurements of success that we get caught up in, uh, you know, working these jobs that statistically what 70% of people hate their jobs that they're at when you know chasing money for the sake of chasing money thinking that that's going to buy happiness but if your point exactly like a lot of it I think comes down to simplistic just pleasures and I for me personally it's really circling back to knowing what fulfills you and not chasing what you think you know, these vanity measurements of success is going to give you because I've been there too, like Rory, like my, I used to have a corporate background. I mean, I remember this one uh, night I was at a PR agency working till, kid you not, 2 a.m. in the morning and my boss who was calling me in from New Jersey knew that I had a flight 6 a.m. in four hours to California and still kept me there. Mm. Um, and the seven out of eight months I was at this company, I had rashes all over my body, went to four different allopathic doctors, and every single one of them were trying to give me prescription drugs to say, um, I don't know what's wrong with you, but here, try this antibiotic. I'm like, listen, you're not listening to helping me find the root cause. Mm. And then only until after I left, the rashes went away and I self-diagnosed myself. It was stress. (laughs) But again, Yeah. But then like, it just goes back to like, you know, your your story earlier that like you were visiting all these doctors and nobody really could tell you or was trying to tell you have one thing, but not really, I think, functionally getting to the root cause of understanding like what was going on. And I think like if we understand epigenetics, we know that there's significant influence on our gene expression for our optimized lifestyle and wellness. If it's influenced like 90% of our lifestyle choices. And that's something I, I had to learn later in my life. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So you, let's talk, Roy, you have this futuristic framework of optimizing your human vessel that you created. Can you tell us what these components are of this framework? It's, it's man, it's 12 medicines. It's free medicine for the people. It's, it's freaking simple, you know, and this is the, this is the thing I think that's going to disrupt the whole healthcare industry is just, you know, sharing this in a way that metaphors and stories and simple simple prescriptions and, and just ways that people can go, okay, cool. Well, I don't necessarily 
um, relate to the Okinawans in Japan, but maybe the Sardinians in Italy. I want a little bit of healthy moderation. I want to be able to have a bit of fun, you know, and, and I can still live to over 100. So I guess like what I what I was really passionate about doing is I went through all the ancient wisdom, the ancient rituals. I went through like Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. even, went, even went back to the Babylonians, you know. Um, I looked at the indigenous wow. cultures indigenous cultures of Australia, 200,000 years. They're our oldest living, still living human civilization. They've, they've experienced ice ages, man. Like they've experienced like some of the, the hottest temperatures on the planet. And if you talk about adaptation and the human, human body's ability to adapt and to survive and thrive, it's like you want to be looking at the, those guys. It's like the whole, whole philosophy is that they weren't, they weren't disconnected from nature. It was like Mother Earth is our life support system. And we look at this now in, in a modern era, like we're like you know a, a lot of people see that as not being um, civilized or whatever. And I'm like, they're the most civilized people. This is the most civilized culture in the world. We've we've been on this planet for you know the modern the modern era. You know, we we go back two thousand maybe six thousand years to like the Roman empires and so on and so forth. And it's like you know we we claim to be the cleverest species on the planet yet we're on the verge of the sixth mass extinct extinction we've we've wiped out 90% of the animals in the last like you know 6 years probably, probably 50% of that since 1970 so in the last 50 years then we've created all these you know this these the, you know this natural world that doesn't that can't support us we've had this global pandemic this covid thing and everyone's paused for 3 months and all of a sudden within 3 months like the natural world has started to rege- regenerate and rejuvenate. Like people can see the Himalayan, the Himalayan mountains again for the first time in 10 years. Like there's all this stuff about animals coming back and this rewilding of nature and, you know, you know the, the, the waterways clearing. And it's just like when will we realize that we're not the cleverest species? We're the only species that destroys our, our only home, the only thing yeah. that, that really supports us. You know what I mean? So when I start with the 12 medicines, it starts with this, this human being, this individual, one of 8 billion people who has to start taking ownership and be the driver of their own human experience, ignite their own human potential through their own lifestyle choices. You talked about epigenetics. The next one from, you know, the the the, the Big blueprint is that you and I are ninety nine point five percent genetically the same. We're ninety nine point five percent genetically the same to every other human being on the planet, regardless of what label or race religion we we give to it. Pierre Sellers, like from from space, he was this beautiful astronaut. He sat there and he watched the Amazon jungle like go between his feet, and he goes, "Man, there's no borders." We 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 mentally constructed all of these things, all these Black Lives Matters, all these things. We created this, you know what I mean? And these are very emotional things but all of it's pointing back to the fact we're all human so then you've got this 99.5 percent you know similarity this this human potential the genes and these these natural environments that we're immersed in um the the five people connection that you spend the most time with um the environments that you you know work social cultural geographical that we grow up in all these things are external and start to external bordering on internal we start to already dictate you know a lot of our unconscious behaviors before we even start choosing and I think we need to realize that as the natural environments that we're in, the environments we spend the most time with, the five people we spend the most time with, these are the things that are going to dictate our health and well-being more than anything. So you start to choose, choose to surround yourself with a, you know, with five high-vibing people who have different lifestyles and different rituals. If you went and immersed yourself in Okinawa in Japan or something in Italy, I can tell you that your lifestyle would change. But most people lack the courage to get on a plane to change their comfort zone. Everyone stays in the same fishbowl. And then they, they try and just, you know, find ways to 
to make excuses to, to keep living their own reality and then still complaining about the challenges and the problem they have. But it might be a change of environment is the thing that's going to really you know, enhance your health and well-being. I moved to Bali. My lifestyle changes. My, my lifestyle changed instantaneously. And the reason is I painted a picture of my ideal lifestyle and I leaned into it. I wake up every morning. I go down for, um, you know, a surf at the beach. I've got you know, clean air. I've got, I've got clean water. I've got sunlight. I've got movement. I come back past the plant-based cafe on the way. I have a juice. I have a coffee if I want. I come back up to the villa. I work from the house. I co-work. I co-live in, in the cafes and the environments in, in working spaces. You know, I'm surrounded by high-vibing people who are trying to find a way to do things differently. And then all of a sudden, this changes my health and well-being. And I start to live from a different vibration. I show up at 6 a.m. to jump on these podcasts because I want to, because I can because i want to share this this vibration right so they're probably like the three key ones um outside of uh, our control which we again we can kind of control which which we tune into we can tune into a really healthy natural environment we can choose tune into a really healthy geographical and social environment we can uh choose the the five people we spend the most time with whether that's work or life or relationships as well and then we start to go internally and we start to look at, okay, we've got this. Before we go internally, um, Rory, I want to, you know, maybe dial it down a little bit because, you know, it's amazing that you've been able to move at, to this beautiful place in Bali to create a whole new lifestyle. But for, for how about a lot of other people who maybe says, well, I can't just like pick up my things and move to Bali. So could you maybe simplify it for some of those folks on how to create then within their own means a healthier environment that could mirror and you know be that that environment for a more optimized lifestyle well the first thing i i will say is that anybody can do anything so i, I don't want to i don't want to set any parameters for they can't do it my personal living uh standards here is 500 dollars a week in bali when I was living in Australia, it was about fifteen hundred to two and a half thousand dollars a week. So by actually creating a change, I removed so much scarcity in my life. You know what I mean? And all I had to do was have the courage to jump on a plane and change the environment. Now I'm not saying it's Bali for people. There's Portugal, there's Mexico, there's South America, there's places in the States and Canada, and and all these places around the world which are beautiful. The key thing is wherever you are in whatever context of your life, you know, surround yourself in a healthy natural environment. That's number one. You know, if, yeah. If you want a flower to blossom and bloom in the way that nature intended, you don't fix a flower, you fix the environment which is trying to grow. Now, you can be that person in community that really, really promotes, you know, bringing nature back to where you live, trees, you know, like put plants in your office, like, you know, clean air, clean oxygen, like your most vital nutrients, oxygen and water, you know, sunlight. Don't stick yourself in a cubicle for 12 hours a day. Make sure you get outside and mm-hmm. groove and, you know, like we're basically – basically house plants with you know, more, more complex emotions right so anybody can do this from any any context so it's like that's number one is is nature and then i guess uh in terms of like uh, your work environments and your geographical environment if you can't change a geographical environment that's cool um but you can find a way to you know tune into these really nourishing environments wherever you are in the world you know like you can find you, you can find like communities or teams or, or like as an example, if I want to, if I want to move better, like, I can go find a calisthenics gym or I could join a soccer team or I could join, you know, if I surf, I could find two or three people that surf and go surfing with them every day. And it just tunes me into nature and all, and all these other things as well. Right. So wherever you are in the context of any life, even if you're in Africa, you can find five high vibing uh, people to, to spend, spend time with. Um, you can find ways to really connect into nature in a different way. You can find ways to, you know, to really, to really tune into the nourishment that's available to all of us. So it's, it's really about choices, choices about where you spend the most time, 
in terms of people and choices where you spend the most time in terms of connecting to nature or not connecting with nature and choices in terms of where you spend most of your time um, you know, in work environments and social environments, like do you go to the pub every Friday and Saturday? Do you work in a in an office where uh, surrounded by people that you know make you feel worse than when you arrive? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like just getting back yeah. to that simplicity. Like, you could be in a really bad work environment, and you could literally move next door and be in a beautiful, nourishing environment with people that want the best for you. You know, so it's like you could be in a in a home environment where you're in a, a really abusive and traumatic uh, relationship. Maybe there's domestic violence. Maybe there's something like that. But you can still make a choice to to change that and to and obviously with support and the right guidance, be able to change that home environment. You know, so that you can again find a way to to find nourishment at home, at work, and social context, in geographical context. And and I hope people really get this because. We haven't even talked about what you eat and how you move and all the, the normal things that people, you know, attribute health to. It's like these are the things. It's just about being a flower that's that's in a really nourishing environment. You will bloom and blossom in the way that nature intended. Yeah. No, I love that how you put it, being a flower in the nurturing environment. Yeah, we didn't really talk about food and things like that, but I, I feel like First of all, we don't have so much time to go really deep into all your 12 paradigms, but I'm kind of glad that we, you know, spoke about some of the other elements because I think those are more kind of overlooked or not so obvious as elements to our our healthy lifestyle and mm-hmm. what we need and how it plays such a critical role in optimizing, you know, our human vessel as you call it. Yeah. So, can we Talk about a little bit about the inner world, though. You know, besides the the being surrounded by high vibing people, which is totally my jam as well. But if you can touch a little bit on the inner world, yeah, yeah, it's and this is this is a cool bit because like what I've talked about is is that you know five to twenty percent that is is kind of outside of our control. You know what I mean? Like we didn't get yep. to choose our luck of birth, right? We didn't get to choose our geographical or cultural. Um, you know, context in which we grew up. We, you know, for for a lot of a lot of us, you know, our, our socioeconomic status, you know, it dictated a lot our access to jobs and abundance, totally. and, and all that type of stuff, right? But outside of that, you know, you, you've seen there's stories from people in from every background that have changed that circumstance. You know, so there, there's a story of someone out there. It doesn't matter whether you're a young kid in Africa who, who didn't grow up with education, or a young girl in Indonesia from a marginalized background you have these choices, right? And you can start to start to really tune into something special um, with this. So the internal medicines are, are very much around, you know, yes, we have this genetic blueprint and uh, people want to be a victim of their genes. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not the case. Like you are the user and you, you are the user and controller of your biological story. So every lifestyle choice you make, it, it, you know, it, it ignites this epigenetic pathway and, and starts to ignite the human potential that's available to all of us. And because then you, what, what happens is you look at anybody else in the world and you compare yourself to them and like, yeah, Usain Bolt's got these, you know, specific parameters that makes him a good runner, but he probably can't swim or, you know, he probably can't do something else, right? So it's like, it's, it's like that's the, the, they're the little bits that, you know, create the 1%. But like I said, the 99.5%, there's another, there's a guy in the Paralympics with no arms, no legs that's, you know, that's swimming down the pool to win, to win gold, gold in the Olympics, right? But then... Four billion people are scared of water, so it's like 
you know, there's this there's these limiting beliefs within our mind, and this is a separate yeah. paradigm which then it basically dictates our reality. So it's like, oh. you know, if we don't if we don't change our thoughts, then we can't change our life. And it's it's and, and when I say change our thoughts, it's like you can tune into podcasts like this, and hopefully someone walks away and goes, oh, you know, like maybe I don't need to be fixed. Maybe I just need to be reminded. Maybe I need to be in a nourishing environment. Maybe I need to change a couple of things. You know, and well, these are in within my control. Like I'm not. I'm not playing a blame and victim to my past story, my events. I'm like, I'm grateful the fact that my parents even had me. The chance of me taking my first breath was like a one in five trillion chance, you know? And it's like, oh, gratitude. And then you take that little thing into your life and your mind changes and you start operating from this 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 vibration of forgiveness and acceptance and peace and unity and and just this courage, man, to lean into the unknown and and play and play outside your comfort zone and, and really like start scripting your own biological story and this future vision, this positive future vision, making peace of the past and being like, you know, imagine if anything was possible for me too. And this is where the mind becomes really important. And you know, I scripted this five years ago. I scripted my girlfriend. I scripted, you know, the type of type of life I wanted to lead. And I just, I, I literally took that that concept of ninety five percent is within my control. I am the author of my biological story. I literally started writing chapters for each, each story. But rather than looking at the past, I was looking at the future. I was like, cool, 12 months out. What is the end feeling that I want to be sitting in? Not the what, not just the thoughts. This is how much money I want to make, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what's the end feeling? What's the impact? What is that going to mean to me? Like, what is How am I going to feel jumping on a podcast at 6 a.m. and and still showing up this, with this vitality and this energy? And it's just like because – if this impacts one person, then it's already helped me on my purpose. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you provide a, a platform to do that. So that's the mind is medicine. Then our mind, then our mind creates choices. You know, we have these 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 thoughts which become become our beliefs, which become our actions, which become our behaviors, and become our habits. So if we have to go back to the, the mind as a starting point, address all the conscious, unconscious, subconscious levels of that, all the the willful ignorance and all that type of stuff, and bring all that to the surface and start making conscious decisions, start scripting. Then we can choose the type of food we eat. We go, okay, cool, we'll fuel. How are we going to fuel our body? Now the two most vital nutrients, oxygen and water. That makes up about 70 to 80% of our body, which again comes back to the reason why being in a healthy natural environment is important because if you've got clean air, clean water, the 70% is sorted. Now we get to choose you know, the proteins, the fats, the carbs, the vitamins, the minerals, the trace minerals, little food packets, mostly plant-based. If you eat, if you eat um, animal-based products, be a compassionate omnivore. The Dalai Lama still eats meat, because, but he doesn't, he doesn't uh, kill it himself. He's compassionate in the, in, the, in, the, in the sense of where he gets it from. So it might be, you know, you get the line caught fish versus the factory farmed fish. And it's just, again, the consumer decisions. But again, it comes back to making sure that you get those base nutrients. So eat mostly plants for food. If you have a little fish or chicken or whatever, that's up to you. Um, we all know the vegetarian, the vegan movement. If we eat more plants and we reduce a lot of that, you know, the I guess the burden on um, industrialization or thing that's kind of hurting our natural environment, which hurts us. Then you've got movement. So movement, simple, make movement a, like a lifestyle choice. You know, it shouldn't be a chore. I love surfing because it's something I love to do. In Okinawa in Japan, it's like the the 95-year-old lady loves climbing trees. She's still climbing trees at 95 because it's part of her reason for being. She's climbing that tree to get the fruit to feed her family. So it's like you just need to do something where you move for 30 to 60 minutes a day. Motion is lotion. Like get variability in your movement like you did when a child. Stop sitting in a freaking chair for nine hours and wondering why your back sore and your hips sore and you're getting knee replacements it's like get up out of the chair and move like catch public transport to work you probably save yourself 15 20 30 bucks on 
on you know on gas and and parking in the city and stuff anyway you know like these are really simple things that we can do and then it becomes the next one after after movement and how we choose to move throughout our day is um is this concept of work and uh and work is really important i think we need to really tune into being tune into our heart here and stop trying to be the doctor, the lawyer, the accountant, the business person that our parents wanted us to be. I think those jobs, those skill sets were, were for, for they were basically created after the war and, you know, we needed doctors, we needed, you know, these type of people and then obviously business and, and law and legalities and, um, you know, it, it just it just kind of naturally evolved that that was like the three or four things that were available to us. But now you can be whoever you want to be. You know, if you have a passion, if you have a passion, um for podcasts, you can create something like this. You love talking, love speaking, love tech. If you if you love taking photos, man, you can be an Instagram influencer over here, earning a hundred thousand dollars, you know, uh, a year and and traveling around the world, like promoting other people's products. You know what I mean? There's there's people over here with more time, freedom, more money, more abundance, and doing the things that they love, which would be seemingly like uh, through comparison, like, well, you didn't go to uni. And it's like, yeah, but they spent the last five years doing something they loved and found a way to get paid for it. And obviously, the world needs it and wants it, this sense of icky guy. So they're willing to exchange for it. And they've got their time. They've got their, you know, they've got their freedom and they've got choice. And it's like, whatever that is for you, you can, you can go, go look at the concept of icky guy and find out what your mm-hmm. reason for being it is. It's like what you love, uh, what the world's willing to pay for, what you need. And what you're good at, so your genius, unique skills. You know, if you're good at tech and you love systems, and you're an introvert, epic. You know, someone at Google or Facebook is going to need someone like you, or you could apply their skills to for, for yourself. If you're really good at like you're an extrovert and your life the party, man, connection. Go find a shared economy, be part of that. An Airbnb, like you know, a network marketing company, whatever it is, something connection. Help them have a bigger impact, and you can find a way. To, to leverage what's already available to create freedom in your own life. If you create a, create these innovative products, if you're, you know, this service-based person that just loves that, like looking after people and nurturing people, there's there's opportunities out there for everyone. Um, now, the next thing after that is once you choose your, your work, you, you figure out, you know, what type of lifestyle. And I think uh, the thing that I want to challenge people to do is, is pick your ideal lifestyle first, your ideal day, like script what your ideal day is. And then find uh, a way to work to live rather than live to work. And fit. can we actually stop there on the script? Because, like, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I um, it's such an interesting word that you just kept reiterating how you scripted your girlfriend and you script your day. And just a reminder that our audience at PS Younger Self are, are high performers. So your language of this mindset. Yeah. really a powerful tool will resonate with our audience. So you are speaking their language, yeah. but can you be a little bit more uh, descriptive? Like tell us exactly what you mean by scripting. Are you writing it? Are you doing creative visualization? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And yes. And both like it's uh, it's, it's literally it might start with your journaling in the morning, you know, you get a journal and as you're on the train or as you're, you know, sitting there having your juice, your coffee, whatever you choose to, to fill your body with in the morning, you just, you're writing down things that you're grateful for. You're just starting in this high vibration, but then you can, st- you can step back and, you know, I've got this 12 month future vision document and mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I've been given from different mentors over the time. I've kind of scripted, like sculpted it into, into something uh, for me that asks really high vibing questions. And I can share that with any of your audience. It's fine. It's, it's such a it's probably the one tool. If I was to share one tool of the world, it would be that. And basically you sit there and you take, it, take about an hour of, your, hour of your day or whatever and you, and you start to, again, be the author, script the director of your yeah. story. So you stop being a passenger. You stop 
just showing up and reacting and acting based on what other people are directing on you. And you start directing your own story and be like, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Here's my internal values. Here's my internal compass, my passion, my purpose. This is, this is the thing that helps you make decisions. Then you cast a vision for what your true north is. Hey, I'm heading that direction. I'm not heading east. I'm not heading west. I'm not heading south. I'm heading that direction. And then this is where you, you start to write the first chapter of the story, the first 12 months, write the next bit, the, the next seven years, and then rinse and repeat. Like each seven-year um, period in our life from 7 to 14 to 21 to 28 to 35 is essentially a, a really beautiful chapter. And, you know, from 14, it's like, you know, you're getting through that adolescent age, 21. It's like, well, you're coming out into the world and you've got, you're trying to figure out who you are. To, after 28, it's like you probably had a bit of a play with work and lifestyle and, you know, you probably had some breakups and you're starting to figure out who you are in the world. And then 35, it's like it's starting to, you know, get a little bit more substance and you, you probably let go of all the stuff that doesn't matter and you start to really come into your own being. Now, some people find it earlier in life, right? But the point is, is just writing and journaling and scripting. And, and, and I, what, I, what I do every year, say um, in October on my birthday, 27th, I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I basically get whatever I, I wrote as a future vision for the year before. And I go through and I highlight in green what came true, orange what kind of happened, and, and in red what didn't happen. Now, you've got to remember, I wrote this 12 months before and none of that stuff in that period had yet happened. Now, mm-hmm. what percentage of that document do you think I start highlighting green saying, yes, it happened? Uh, less than 10%. Sorry. 70, <laughs> 80%. The first time I did it, even, oh. even without not knowing how to do it or what it was. Right? 50%, yeah. 50% was in green and about 30% was in orange and 20% was in red. What, what happens in like the red stuff wasn't meant to happen, right? It was yeah. out, out of alignment. What, what isn't meant to happen for you will fall away. But it was like, and then over time, every 12 months, I'd script it again, script the next 12 months. Okay, cool. Ross, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to Japan, um, snowboarding in Feb. I'm going to launch the book. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I, I have no freaking idea how, the how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way. And it's like, as soon as you, as soon as yeah. you, pick that freaking direction and you choose it you start consciously unconsciously listening like things show up on social media like a friend has a connection someone yeah. in conversation, like hey i'm going to japan I'm like oh man i want to go to japan or it's like uh you know you're talking about oh i want to release this book and someone's like oh, i just released this book or blah 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 and then you reach out and you're like oh how'd you release the book and then all of a sudden you get the 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 strategy all we need is a what by when i'm going here in this time frame, and then the who and the how will show up, and then link it back to a really beautiful, deep-seated why. And if uh, if it is the, if it is a heart space why, it is like something emotional. Then, then yeah, these scripts and these stories that you start to direct for yourself, you just get to be the actor in your own play, and they start to manifest or consciously engineer themselves into your own reality. And it's no longer a dream; it becomes it becomes a thing. You know, it just you, you wake up one day like I did in Bali, and I was living living the ideal day that I painted five years ago. You know, the thing that I scripted in a freaking journal when I was in a deep bout of depression and after a breakup and burnt out as a health professional and someone just said, hey, Rose, you should start writing your own story. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's honestly the most powerful thing I can give anyone, the power of the mind, the power of you know, the courage to lean into it, whatever it is, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Again, the power of the mind, but I want to stress and really hone in on what you said there and how you, and I didn't mean to underestimate um, how much you highlighted green there, uh, but what it really shows, Rory, is that when we ourselves use the power of mind to number one, set the intention, um, uh, our energy, that vibrational level just rises and you've used some words like, like, you know, uh, things just like start to show up and it's Mm. like synchronicity because 
you're just vibrationally, you're changing and evolving and being conscious. You use the word conscious. Exactly. Because, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza says that till the age of 35, our brains are hardwired as a memory of our past. So subconsciously, we're, we're living up to, the, up to the age of 35, um, what we've what we've been programmed and believe subconsciously and unless you're consciously aware and shifting that mindset like all the work that you have done and are talking about here is being aware of it setting the intention and then putting in all these practices to script that life and being the director i love that i i say to people that we are the artist of our masterpiece of life and so just like you we have the choice to create that masterpiece or that movie as opposed to sitting by thinking we're a victim of the deck of cards we've been dealt with, mm. right? Yep. So, so much here. I want to quickly summarize. And you mentioned that one of the things that you can share with our audience is that 12-month kind of framework you said that helped to script your life, that'd be great. But also, um, you know, within your 12 paradigms, I just want to quickly summarize that within those, it's really just knowing that there's external medicine, whether it's that your environment, the high vibe people that you surround yourself with, and then the internal medicine you spoke of from really exercising the power of your mind, the choices you make, um, mm-hmm. and then the lifestyle and this incredible movie or masterpiece that you want to create. Mm-hmm. But one last thing, Rory, because Again, I totally agree with you and our audience is, as I mentioned, high performers who are always seeking ways and why listening to podcasts like this. We've had epigenetics coach to mindset coaches on here teaching us incredible ways to optimize our life. But if they're seeing like, oh my God, there's 12 different areas within this paradigm. My life is so busy. Is there a way I know we can't just yeah. be prescriptive, Roy, right? Like start here. But if there's one area that you say that if you have a busy life, at least start here. Is there one you can say? It's, it's, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be different for different people, but um, yeah. I, I will share that it can be prescriptive. You know, this is the thing that I find is that I wanted to summarize for people is like nature's prescription, spend 90 minutes in nature every day. You know, I don't care whether yeah. walking to work through, you know, uh, your favorite park or just getting out in fresh air and go taking the dog to the beach in the morning. It's just like that's a prescription. Your mind is is simple. Like environment is stronger than willpower for your mind. So, again, come back to who you surround yourself with, the environments that you choose to be in every day. Make sure that those five people that you spend the most time with and the environments you spend the most time with are really freaking nourishing and they want the best for you. And it's like these are the prescriptions that people need to know. In terms of movement, 30 minutes a day to get your heart rate up over like a moderate intensity. Like go play tennis, go surf. Like when I surf in the morning, on the uh, I go surf with a friend, so connection is medicine. I'm out in nature and I'm in flow with the world, so nature is medicine. Um, you know, I, I go past my favorite cafe in the morning and it's like I get the plants that I need, I get the hydration that I need, I get the oxygen that I need, you know what I mean? So it's like just by surfing for like 90 minutes every morning, I cover like three, four, five, six of the medicines, you know? So you know, if you go to a, if you go to a gym with a friend, it's like you, you're doing connection is medicine, movement is medicine, chuck a podcast in on the way, 
to the gym and you're doing the mindless medicine at the same time. So it's like you can link all these things together and it becomes really simple. And then, you know, technology is another medicine which enables our human experience. It should free our time, not not distract us on social media and comparison. And, yeah. and modern medicine, like I, I still, I, like it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's like, you know, self-care is primary. Modern medicine is an external intervention. It's it's something that's complementary and alternative to our body's innate wisdom. And this is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way because they've been brought up to think, hey, I'm here to solve the world's problem. I'm your guru. I'm your expert. No, the body has innate wisdom. 50 million cells just regenerated without any conscious, you know, conscious direction. And it's like our job as health professionals and, and, and as people and as family members and community members is to is to remind people of that and to and to support their body's innate wisdom and create environments where there's low stress and there's abundance that's freely shared and circulated. So the people don't have to buy a four hundred thousand dollar house and pay it off for the next fifty years. They get a tiny home, they get shared shared resources, they get shared houses, whatever it is. Everyone can live within their means and all of a sudden the scarcity disappears. So I guess there's there's so much in that, but it's, the simplicity is there's little prescriptions. And, and again, I'm going to come back to environment. I'm going to come back to nature. I'm going to come back to your mindset yeah. and start scripting a different story for yourself. I don't care if you're making 10. I work with entrepreneurs who turn over $50 million a year. I still get them to script a future vision. And guess what? They start painting their family into the future vision. They start painting the time that they get to spend with their kids because they realize that the things that really matter to them is like, yes, I want to create this business with all these employees. But they're like, if I don't have time to do the things that I love doing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave this world with regrets. And what's the point of that? Exactly. Most. Uh, I think there's a stat. Major. Uh, most people, when they're leaving, one of the things they regret most is not having the courage to live the life that they truly wanted. But one of the things I want to really leave on, because you said here, which was really, really powerful, our body has innate wisdom. That was really well said and could not agree more. So on that note, I have to ask two very important questions because this was so insightful. Rory, uh, thank you so much for sharing that and your passion. It's so clear. I can hear it all the way over here. But um, one, our podcast is called PS Younger Self. So I like to ask my guests, if you can go back to your younger self, Rory, and we learned a lot about that. If there's one thing you want to pass on to him to remind him to live fully in the present and on his own terms, is there something you would like to pass on? Mm, I'll just start writing my story a little bit earlier. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd, maybe as a kid, it'd be a vision board or, or it'd be something, you know, and, and just be really focused on it. And then I guess finding ways to to really tune into the right mentors or you know the wisdom of of people within my community to to bring that into reality and start asking for support a bit earlier and and start surrounding myself in those 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 nourishing environments and people and, and I guess with with that positive future vision and, and the right supportive environment and access to technology these days like you know, people are listening to this from you know a young kid in Africa with a mobile phone could listen to this. You know what I mean? And we've got global Wi-Fi with Elon Musk and Starlink. Like all of a sudden, everyone's going to be able to tune into mentors anywhere in the world. So, script your story at a younger age and uh, surround yourself with 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 people who have walked where you want to go. And uh, I'm sure they'll be able to you know get you there a bit quicker. And we can really start to optimize this human experience a bit, a bit earlier in life without without it being a race too. We want to make sure that we're present and we're, we're enjoying each moment. I think uh, simplicity is the ultimate mastery as well. I think a lot of us get, get taught that, you know, any idiot can make something more complex, but to, to really tune in and, and to find ease and flow and to be present and, and to, to smile and to acknowledge people as they walk on by is like that's what it truly means to be human to me. 
Yeah, that was another beautiful point, the beauty and the simplicity. And lastly, Roy, because you were, again, so insightful, if people wanted to learn more about you, self-care global, seek for their inspiration and advice, where can our audience find you? Uh, the easiest way is the website is uh, selfcare.global, S-E-L-F-C-A-R-E dot global. Um, and, you know, that's that's where the ecosystem starts. You know, I built I built uh, peer-to-peer support communities where people just help each other with their daily rituals. I, I go and interview some of the coolest people in the world like you are and, and I share their stories and their morning rituals and you can take from it what you need and apply it to your own life. And, and then there's blogs and there's, there's uh, like there's, there's podcasts, there's videos on YouTube, there's Instagram and it's like we've just, we've hit all the learning styles to make sure that wherever you show up, this is going to be a positive bias in your world. And if you want to tune into doing courses with us, you want to come to a retreat in Bali, those type of things are available too. But there's a book coming out in two months, um, the self-care book. And and this is just a, a framework that I want to give people for their lifespan. I imagine it being like the four-hour work week or something that just sits on your desk. And uh, it's just that little thing that, you know, you pick it up, you read what you need, you put it down, you, you go embody it, and then you get on with life. And you might pick it up two weeks later or two years later. It doesn't matter. But then the message is still, it's relevant. The book just becomes a reminder for, for all the stuff that we've just talked about. Amazing. So we'll definitely link to that and hopefully people can join and we'll have to look out for your book coming out. Will it be in physical form as well or a digital form? Yeah, I love I love the physical form. I love something tangible, but also and I understand that people use Kindle and things like that. So it will be uh, digital as well. And, and it will also be, you know, uh, the book actually has this interactive bit. The book is kind of like the tip of the iceberg and the selfcare.global online ecosystem is like the extension of that. And each of the 12 medicines is like a pillar and a vertical and we go deeper and deeper into each one of those. So if you want to go deeper into any of those elements and, you know, you want to learn about, you know, naturist medicine and, and the, you know, the ecological impact we're having on the world and the mass extinction and how you can change that as a kid, you know, you can, there's, there's people out there that are already doing that. I want to direct them to these people and help them become part of the change or be the change they want to see in the world. So, but yeah, that'll all be there and available and can't really, I can't wait to share it with the world, to be honest. Yeah, well, we can't wait. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure and we I can't wait to share all this information from you with our audience. So thank you again for joining very, very early from your side of the world. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. And thanks for creating this space to, to share this message. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.